24 minutes after 7 p.m. You tuned in to our wrap of the top business stories. Joining me tonight uh, to uh, take a look at the latest out in the markets, how um, markets fared. Also saw, of course, the big piece of news earlier on today, uh, which uh, came through uh, from uh, the uh, st- statistical agency, StatsSA, and those were the third quarter GDP numbers. To uh, help us take a look at these stories and so much more, joined online by Portfolio Manager out of 27 for investment managers, Akwana Mlamlili. Akwana, good evening, welcome. Good evening, Ayabama. How are you this evening? I'm well, thanks. Pilil. No, I'm good, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Good, good, good. Akwana, let's start there with uh, that GDP number that came through. A lot of people, I, I don't know, maybe I read a different set of numbers, but a lot of people quite happy uh, that uh, there's been, uh, I guess, some positive output growth. Uh, but if I look under the bonnet of this number, I'm not seeing fixed investment coming in there. I'm not seeing strong, um, you know, net exports, nor am I seeing, I guess, aside from some of the retailers who are reading themselves for Black Friday and the festive uh, rush, any real inventory pile up from some of the large producers in secondary industry. So, yeah, while the number looks good, certainly doesn't, I guess, have the type of broad-based effect that I'm looking for. Yeah, so Statista released um, the third quarter um, GDP numbers this morning, um, indicating that the country's gross domestic product increased by 1.6% for the third quarter. If you'll recall, the previous quarter and the second quarter, the GDP contracted by 0.7%, um, indicating particularly in the numbers that were released this morning that um, there is some growth, particularly or activity taking place in the economy. Um, which was p- primarily driven by um, about eight industries. Um, I think sometimes we may be all um, very much despondent, particularly with how, what's happening on a day-to-day basis. Um, so when we saw these numbers coming out, and I think if I cast my mind back to last week's unemployment numbers, um, I think I was pretty surprised, particularly with some of the unemployment numbers. I expected particularly um, a decrease, particularly with regards to the load shedding, record load shedding that we had that took place in the third quarter. But I think it obviously shows what the GDP number could look like this week. And, and it obviously did indicate that there was an increase, um, indicating particularly the GDP numbers being given particularly by the eight industries. Uh, so some of these eight industries included the likes of your transport, storage, and communication industries, which increased by 3.7%. Um, you'll recall sectors such as your motor vehicle parts and accessories that did come under significant pressure in the second quarter mm. due to the flooding that took, that took place in KZN. Um, that number coming back quite strongly, um, that obviously taking up particularly that um, third quarter GDP numbers. But as you indicated, um, in terms of other industries, forest, forestry, fishing and industry um, increasing and contributing about 50 basis points to the GDP numbers. But in terms of the number that you did indicate, so the net exports saw positive contribution, particularly from growth. We saw exports of goods and services increase by 4.3%. However, we did see imports of goods and services um, increase marginally by 0.6%, which was driven primarily by uh, mineral products um, such as animal um, and vegetable oil. So it is quite a, uh, quite a number, a exorbitant number. I know some economists were indicating um, just under 1%, but 
from the number that was released um, this morning, um, I think it did surprise us that um, GDP came up came up to one point six percent. And then I guess the you know the other question that comes to mind, um, you know, is is whether or not, insofar as I guess um, you know uh, this this number that's come through now gives us some clues of the next quarter. You know, Q4 of course is a quarter often associated with increases in, you know, final uh, consumer expenditure, which might, I guess, buoy the trade sector and many other sectors that we see. What are some of the clues here? Yeah, I think the Q4 may be quite telling the picture. Um, as you'll recall, um, last year, around November, we saw our first interest rate hikes. And you know interest rate hikes only um, take effect or take effect particularly in the real economy um, a few months later, particularly eight to 12 months later. So I think with regards to the inflationary pressures and particularly the high cost of living that we've seen take place throughout the whole year um, will showcase and reveal itself particularly in the Q4 numbers. But I think it will also show us a picture in terms of what you spoke about earlier on about the Black Friday in terms of what consumers actually buying, particularly with the pressures that we are all currently under and due to the very much um, high cost of living and also due to our income not increasing as much as um, inflation particularly has increased. So it will be interesting in terms of how that number um, comes through when it is released, particularly in the first quarter of 2023. Mm. And then uh, I guess the, the other element to, to this particular story uh, is, of course, um, you know, which type of sectors were holding some of these inventories and why? I mean, I'm always quite interested, I guess, in when we look at the investment element of GDP, not just fixed investment, uh, which uh, clearly was driven by residential construction, little on the non-residential side. Um, but insofar as the inventories are concerned, um, you know, probably pile up on the part of some of the big retailers uh, who are trying to manage the risks associated with longer lead times as supply chains continue to be constrained. Yeah, so as you indicated, um, I think a lot of that will be coming from the retailers particularly, and also maybe some of the manufacturing and also some of the miners. Um, you would already recall, particularly year-to-date, um, some of the miners um, have not been able to export um, to the full potential of their ex- goods um, overseas due to some constraints, particularly in the rails, particularly at our ports. Um, so that could obviously come through um, going forward. And then the other story that came through earlier on uh, today, which uh, I'm quite interested in, is, uh, yeah, Time Bank finalizing a 1.5 billion rand acquisition of retail capital. What do you make of that? Quite an interesting one, Ayabonga. I think um, we all know particularly Time Bank obviously forms one of the investments within the um, holdings company. Um, Today releasing a statement that um, they have received the necessary regulatory approvals to conclude um, the 100% acquisition of retail capital. So retail capital being the fintech company uh, which provides funding to SMMEs. Um, particularly this bill approximately $1.5 billion. Um, and the current CEO of retail um, capital will obviously move into the time group's executive committee. Uh, but I think it's obviously quite a, a good development. I think we've seen a lot of the banks come through. Um, we've seen the likes of the digital banks come through um, in the last few years. Um, and I think the advancement of digital um, innovation has obviously brought on these newcomers, um, particularly in the space, to just fulfill some of the needs, not only on the retail side, but particularly um, financing of businesses and entrepreneurs um, who need funding and don't primarily need 
the big um, limitations that some of the other big banks may have um, in order to get funding. So I think it is a quite a good deal. And obviously, we'll see in terms of how they do implement it. But you will recall, particularly when they do report on the in the interim earnings or the financial year results, um, the investment holding company has always indicated, particularly with time banks, that they want to expand. They want to obviously go into other um, divisions, such as economy banking offerings, um, in various regions, not just in South Africa, but in the likes of the Philippines, where they've actually seconded um, the former CEO, um, Tariq Karan, to obviously lead particularly this offshore expansion in time banks. Mm. The, the other element, uh, which um, I guess uh, we might want to consider here with Time Bank, it follows hot on the heels of many other banks that we've seen who have been uh, buying other banks. I mean, a lot of consolidation. We saw Capitec buying Mercantile Bank. We saw African Bank coming in and acquiring U-Bank, I think, and uh, another entity. Um, are, are we seeing a lot more, I guess, by way of consolidation of even or among some of the smaller players in the banking sector? Yeah, so I think it's very much a competition that is very much um, needed, particularly in the African landscape. Landscape, sorry. Um, I think it has been beneficial, beneficial particularly for consumers. Um, we saw the biggest of them, the disruptors, um, particularly in the last ten years, being Capitex, um, very much, uh, very much, in the, in, in the very much innovative, um, particularly the their banking model, um, even bringing towards um, extension of banking hours and just introducing a different model um, and targeting particularly um, bankers or consumers who are not able to obviously be part of the other banking um, institutes. So I think um, the competition is very much needed, um, not only in the retail space, but particularly in the commercial and particularly for funding for small businesses. Um, with the advancement of technology um, and the entry, particularly of digital banks, um, I think, which has very much made it easier, not only from a consumer perspective, but in terms of consumers no longer have to go or walk, particularly to a bank, um, to do paperwork or provide proof of um, address, or they can do that obviously on an online platform, which is now um, linked to the Department of Home Affairs. Um, which enables particularly South Africans just to open an account digitally within minutes, um, which was not possible um, over 10 years ago. So the advancements of technology has obviously brought on this new competition, um, particularly in the banking sector in South Africa. Hmm. And then, uh, I guess the other element um, that one might want to look at, Transnet, coming out with a story here that they're going to be doubling capacity uh, to manganese junior miners um, and uh, giving them a lot more slots and allocations to their rail uh, capacity. Talk to me about this one. Yeah, so it's quite interesting. Um, has been quite dismal. Mm. Um, however, they are targeting just to improve particularly and getting new emerging miners, particularly coming into the space and obviously assisting them and having those platforms for them um, to obviously get into the industry and able to provide services that they need um, to um, from their production uh, spaces um, to obviously the final consumers. And I guess, you know, it's so interesting because the piece uh, where this report was drawn from also makes some comparison of other commodity lines where junior miners have very little by way of, you know, downstream transport slots, especially on rail lines. Uh, what do you make of that? Yeah, so I think it's obviously painted a picture, particularly in terms of what is currently happening in other sectors. Um, so this sector is not in new form. Um, the transformation or lack thereof of transformation um, in terms of affording new and emerging 
um, miners uh, particularly in this space and providing them with the various supports and platforms um, in, in order for just to improve um, access to infrastructure for these emerging miners, um, particularly coming to loading facilities. Um, so one of the comparisons that they did make was um, taking it straight to the um, listed market in terms of the... And then I guess, you know, Akwada, the, the big question mark certainly that comes to mind um, on a story of this kind, I mean, um, you know, if, if Transnet is saying they're going to double that capacity, I guess the concern is that, you know, this is, assumes that uh, this capacity will come online. And uh, we also know certainly from even the larger exporters that they've had their own headaches insofar as Transnet mm-hmm. is concerned. So should we be making a kick and a dance um, for this, um, I guess, you know, extension of slots from four to around 11 junior miners, uh, it, with all we know about, I guess, the inefficiency of provision on the part of Transnet? Yeah, so I think um, in, in the statement they have indicated um, with the support that they will all be given to these emerging miners, um, it will obviously come from from, an, from the establishment uh, miners already. Um, so I think they'll just have to do a balancing act in terms of that. Um, we know the challenges in terms of how the more uh, emerging miners have had challenges in exporting goods, um, particularly on the ports, on the rails, and the infrastructure challenges that they've um, encountered. Um, with regards to also the strikes um, that took place um, in the third quarter. So, yeah, it, it will be interesting in terms of how they provide that balancing act in terms mm. of not losing, not, not losing particularly those um, clients and people that obviously export and need their infrastructure and just balancing that act in terms of trying to address the, the challenges of transformation put in the sector um, but also fulfilling, also providing a service to um, those that need to get their goods out. Akona, always a pleasure catching up with you. We'll leave it here for tonight. Uh, thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. Thank you very much. Akona Mlamlele, the Portfolio Manager 274, uh, helping us uh, with our wrap of the top business stories.